0: Under the
1: Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
2: Yeah. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood, weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. we will be talking about the passing of former Chicago White Sox player and broadcaster Ed Farmer. Shocking news uh, from this morning, we turn to someone who worked very closely with Ed as part of the White Sox radio network. It is my friend, Chris Ranji from ESPN 101 in St. Louis. He joins me here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Chris, thanks for joining me. No problem, Jay. How are you? I'm good. Let me ask you about uh, you and your family. Give us a scene of what you're seeing in the St. Louis area regarding COVID-19.
3: Well, um, it's still fairly calm here. I mean, we're not, we're not yet at the point Chicago is or, or New York or Washington, um, at least as of right now. I mean, they, they've told us that our peak is supposed to be sometime in the middle of May. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess we're going to find out. I live a block from one of the major hospitals, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Um, our state has just terrible leadership. Um, so we, we've had, to, the cities in the state, like us in Kansas city and, um, Springfield, even a lot of these cities have just had to take it upon themselves to, you know, do the stay at home orders because the state doesn't, I don't know. I mean. Everything's a mess, but, but right now it's calm. It just feels like we're we're getting ready to to really get hit hard.
2: I was uh, just noticing the last time that I was out downtown, Just you've been in the city for a long time here in Chicago, and you know that it could get busy even at 2, 3 in the morning, depending on what yeah. club is letting out or what restaurants open after a late night, and just the idea that you could just throw a bowling ball right down State Street and it wouldn't hit anything. Mm-hmm. At, at you know, in the, in the middle of the day, it's just amazing.
3: I've seen videos and photos and it's just, I mean, it is totally eerie to see all that stuff. I i, I hate it. I, I hate where we are right now um, that it got this bad. And, and honestly, you know, just even paying attention to what was going on, I knew that we had a problem coming up because you had experts telling us, hey, this is this is going to be a thing and you need to get ready for it. I don't think enough people took it seriously, obviously, um, but I, being a, a citizen, I didn't know what we were actually in for, and I, I, didn't, I didn't see us shutting every damn thing down, and seeing Chicago, um, like you said, the, the streets with nobody on them, and it's just, it's depressing. It's really sad, and I'm, I'm not in it, but I'm, I'm feeling for, for you, because it is my second home, and I I hate that it's going on up there, and I know it's going to be happening here, pretty much. But you know, anytime we don't have a whole lot of traffic, Jay. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Our, people people complain about Missouri traffic, and I'm like, are you people serious? It used to take me, like <laughs> I remember one time. Um, I know we're going to get into some White Sox stuff, but they would have us do remotes every now and then from bars in the area. And we did a White Sox pre- and post-game show from real-time sports in, I think, St. Charles.
2: In Elk Grove Village.
3: Well, there's, there's Elk Grove Village. Yeah. And I, and there's one in St. Charles. Mm-hmm. And we were out there. And it was a Friday. And so I lived in the city. And I left at, like, 2.30. And my pregame, well, I, I may have left at 3. My pregame is at 6.30. <laughs> I missed the first segment like, I, I didn't get there in time. Like, I'm leaving from the city to get to St. Charles on a Friday, and it took, like, three and a half hours. It was it was unbelievable, and I missed the start of the show. And people here complain when it's eight extra minutes to get home, and I'm like, this is nothing. But right now, when you drive home, I I probably see 30 cars on the way home, and it's normally a 15-minute drive, and it's just it's it's crazy seeing it even like that. You know, just not very many people out.
2: Chris Ranji from ESPN One Hundred and One St. Louis with Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Chris, what is your what are your memories of working with Ed as part of that broadcast team?
3: Oh man, you know I've I've talked to uh, a lot of different people about him today, and I'm I'm hoping that the more I do it, the more. Uh, the better I'm articulating what I want to articulate about him. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm doing it well though. Cause I'm it, all right. So he was, um, when you listen to the broadcast and if you didn't really know him, I think you can have a completely different impression of what Farmio was or the kind of person he was. And he had such a dry delivery and a dry wit and that, sort of sense of humor that it may, it may to some people sound like he wasn't having a good time and the, the memories or or just the feel I have of him that, that strikes me. And I think about it a lot and I've been thinking about it a lot in the last 24 hours, but his relationship with DJ. And I've had a number of people ask me about it and, um, When I used to do the post-game shows, every now and then, actually pretty frequently, I would hear from people, whether it was a phone call or a text or Facebook or Twitter, people saying things like, uh, you can tell that Ed and DJ don't get along. Like, they don't Mm -hmm. like each other because of the comments that get made. And And I would say, no, listen to me. They do. They really, honest to God, like one another a lot. And everybody, no, you're just saying that because you're a company man. And I'm, I try to tell people, no, that's not how it was at all. But because of maybe because of how Farmio was dry with his wit and his delivery, and DJ's more of a goofball, it may have sounded like they were butting heads and that they had disdain for one another. But it. It's just, that's not at all what was going on. And if you got to be around it and watch them work and be in the room with them and looking at them, look at each other when they were talking and when they were joking around and when it may have sounded like uh, one of them was making a comment uh, at the other one and taking a shot at them, that's not what was happening. Like they were joking around and they were looking at each other and smiling and giving that yeah I'm giving you a hard time look and it was great and that's that is that's the feeling that I remember most about being around Ed is that he he was smiling a lot and he was laughing a lot but you could never really tell like if you if you were listening to a game there's a very good chance that while he was talking he was smiling at DJ like one of those those Rise smiles and uh, was joking around about something, but you couldn't tell on the broadcast. It just sounded like he was doing a ball game, but he was always having a good time in the booth.
2: I just thought every time he would say, yeah, at the end of sentences, that that was kind of a lighter moment. That was my tell for him. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> everything would had, be, so, if, if he said, yeah, then I'd say, okay, that, that's a lighter moment. Because it's never going to be a yeah. laugh out loud. It would just be like, okay, that's a funny moment there.
3: Yeah, most of them were, but he was, okay. So I, I think people got the impression that, um, that maybe DJ would make a comment being goofy and Ed would say something in response and people would think that Ed resented DJ based on the response. And I would always tell them, no, that's not what was going on. Ed, Ed was just, he was giving him a hard, there were two guys who were friends who were giving each other a hard time. And it was the most relaxed I think either of them had been in their broadcasting careers or at least it sounded that way like they just I think they both felt like they could be them while they were calling those games and I bet if you asked DJ he would tell you exactly that like I would bet money on that that he just felt like he could be himself and they could mess around with each other and most of it really was lighthearted I I honestly don't think and I I'm, I'm saying this seriously that I can remember I don't think they ever actually got into it with each other and meant it not once.
2: So, um, let me see if my recall is good. You actually sat in one of the two of those chairs as a play by play man filling in for one of those two. Was it against Detroit or Minnesota? Uh,
3: Okay. I did. I did a few. I did, uh, the Detroit series with Steve Mm -hmm. when Ed was out, I did, uh, I did, I did two different Minnesota series on the road. One time with Ed, one time with DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, How I, about a that?
2: I don't, I don't even know what today is, but I remember that about your career. How about that? Okay.
3: Well, thanks. The, the Tigers game that you're talking about, uh, the most memorable part of it was, I believe Gavin Floyd had a no hitter in the eighth or seventh. It was the seventh or eighth. He had a no hitter going. And I and I said, uh, you know, Gavin Floyd has a no hitter going, and a pitch or two later, he gave it up. <laughs> yeah, I, rem- I remember that. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and I was like, oops. But I don't believe in the superstition because it's dumb. I think it's so stupid. But I, I remember I remember costing Gavin Floyd his no-hitter.
2: <laughs> the reason why I asked that question, how, again, I don't know what today is, but I do remember you doing a play-by-play in the Sox booth, is what was it like to work with uh, with Ed in that way? Because yeah. it wasn't pre and post. It was you next to him as a broadcaster. So DJ,
3: uh, there was a time, and I don't remember what year exactly, but there was a time uh, where his his mom was really sick, and he was having to leave to be with her. So I filled in, and Ed and I, I th- if I re- we switched off the innings, so he did the first three, I did the middle three, and he did the the final three. And he was great. He, you know, by that point, and I, I think it was probably twenty ten that sounds right to me that it was 2010 that happened. He was, um, he never treated me like somebody like like he was a former athlete. He was a former ball player. He was in the big leagues and he did not ever treat me like I wasn't. And obviously I wasn't, but he didn't talk down to me. He didn't tell me like, no, 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 that's not the way that is. You know, I didn't make a comment and he corrected me and said, no, that's wrong. he, He valued my opinion or at least he acted like he valued my opinion. I think he did. But he never he never made it sound like what do you what do you know? What do you know? What do you know what you're talking about? I was in the big leagues, you weren't. And he never did that. And he never did it when I was on just, you know, doing pre and post game or when I would have him on as a guest on the shows. Uh, on Saturdays or, or whatever, he never did that with me. He was always he always treated me like an equal in that way, and I I appreciated that. and And that's kind of how he treated everybody when it came to anything. Like if you were, you know, uh, I know there are a lot of stories going around of him introducing uh, people to other people. You know, be, being in the room and saying, "Oh, this is Chris. Chris. This is uh, this is Jay." that he would never um, make it a point to tell you how important of a person that your meeting was. You know, it was just two people in the room, and, hey, Jay, this is Chris. Uh, You know, he would never forget, like, if if I was in the broadcast booth and somebody who was important came in, you know, somebody from another team or whatever, he would never pretend like I wasn't in the room. He would make sure that person met me and say, Hey, have you have you met Chris Ranji? You know how he is. Like nice. he would—that's how he would do it, and he would just make sure you were included. And he was like that with everything.
2: Chris Ranji from ESPN One Hundred and One St. Louis with Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, before I ask you another thing about Ed, I want to ask it's your thoughts about the Cardinals. Whenever baseball returns, I've been saying, Chris, that. You know with David Ross, it can go one of two ways. This actually could be an igniter for the Cubs to have a new voice in there, someone that the veteran players know, or this could be, hey, I thought we were boys and now you're the boss and I don't like this. So from the <laughs> from the Cardinals' standpoint, how does this look? Because I see them at the top of the division whenever we get baseball back.
3: Uh, I don't really know, honestly. Like I, I'm not particularly pleased with the – The job they did, Um, I I think there people I work with may be a little bit uh, more bullish on the Cardinals, but I'm not. I think they actually got worse from last season. I don't think they did anything to improve, unless their young players all just step up all at once, and if they do, good for them, but it doesn't, you know, I, I, I think that's a long shot, but I guess we'll see. The... The thing that will benefit them is if everybody else in the division takes a step back, and and I think that's kind of what they have to count on. Um, I think you know how I feel about managers, mm-hmm. and I feel like unless a guy is just totally, completely incompetent and in over in over his head and has no idea what he's doing, then I just I don't think the manager can wreck a good team. I think, I think players are going to do what they do. And if they're good, they're going to do that. And if the manager creates a good environment, you know, makes them all happy to go to work, then that's going to be great. And I can't imagine from the Cubs' perspective that David Ross is going to make it hard for the Cubs players to go to work every day. I just don't I don't see that happening. So um, they've still got a good team. They've got a better lineup. I think the division is going to be a lot closer than, than you might think. And I, cause you know, the closer you are to the team, the, the worse you think they are, you know, you see their warts, you see how you see all their flaws yes. and you think their flaws are worse. Um, my guess is the Cubs are going to be a lot better than a lot of people up there think they're going to be, but you know, I guess we'll see. I, I do think it's going to be a four team race. And I think, the Reds are at least going to be involved. They're going to be in the conversation until, if, if this were a regular season, if they would have gotten started on time, um, I think they would have been in the conversation still in September. They probably won't, wouldn't have won the division, but they would have been there. They would have been around. They would have been a nuisance.
2: Chris, lastly, um, how should Ed Farmer be remembered?
3: I think he should be remembered as somebody that was an and, and I, I say this from the perspective of somebody who, uh, who feels like maybe not everybody really knew Ed the way he actually was because of of how he came across on the air. Um, you know, again, we're talking about the dry wit and the dry humor and, and and all of that. That I don't, I don't think people realize how much fun he was having in the booth and. And maybe I only know it because I got to see it. And, you know, Paul Zerang got to see it. So he knows. And anybody else who was up there and Connor who did the job after I did, uh, I mean, he got to see it as well. I just I want people to realize that that he was having a blast in the broadcast booth. He was having a, a really good time up there. And he was, regardless of what people think, he was he was. I enjoyed being around him. I really did. And, you know, maybe it took a season for me to, to realize where he was coming from. Um, you know, I started in 06. So I think it might've taken that first season, maybe a little bit of the following season until I realized exactly who he was. And he was, he was very real. He was an odd guy, but odd in a, in a quirky, like just endearing way. and, I, I want people to know that's who he was. And I think the people, anybody who was around him knows that, but uh, maybe not everybody who heard him call games knows that, and I think it's important they do.
2: See, you did that well. You didn't think that was going to be good. That was really good, Chris.
3: You know what? That's, that's my whole life, Jay. I just think I'm going to go in and blow it, and I yes. just <laughs> just go in and absolutely dominate everything I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep that's you yep <laughs> yeah
3: buddy buddy i miss you i miss you so much are you good
2: i'm great i'm great i'm prayerful though because of what's going on right now um, yeah but uh yeah i'm i'm having a blast i have no complaints until i good. until you get off the phone then i gotta figure out what the next segment is but nonetheless um we'll be okay
3: okay I'm, i i believe you will be okay
2: Good. Why do you always make it awkward at the end of every interview I do with you? Why? <laughs> why can't you, you just what? fill? i'll just fill out the rest of it? Why what do you, do you want have to, me to stop?
3: What do you want me to do here, Jay?
2: <sighs> what do you want from me? It's unbelievable. You do this every time. It's just, <laughs> everything was going well, and then you made it an Ed Farmer interview. Then you did. You, you really are Ed right now. <laughs> That's what you get that <laughs>
3: We're going to get that fixed for you, friends. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs>
2: I'm getting off the phone with you now. See, he was doing well, and then he stopped, and then he did his staccato thing, and then he made it weird.
3: Jay. Yes? Jay. Nothing.
2: Bye. Chris Ranji, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right here on the Mighty ESPN 1000. <laughs> this is Under the
1: under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all new ESPN Chicago
2: app. Available on your device now.
1: This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's
2: home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Good to hear from you. Crazy Chris Ranji. Uh, we worked together for a long time. Great guy. Um, and we will hear from Nick Friedel, who covers the NBA. Uh, We'll find out what's going on in San Francisco slash Oakland, what's going on there, um, and whether or not the NBA returns, and in what form will the NBA return. We'll talk about that with Nick coming up in our next segment. um, I'm thinking about Major League Baseball because at this particular time here on April 2nd, I'm supposed to be hosting the baseball show. It was supposed to be unveiled the week of opening day. And we do not have a baseball show because of what has happened now with the postponements across the sports landscape. And so last week, Scott Boris, longtime agent, Major League Baseball and the NFL, has been having a lot of opinions about what Major League Baseball should do. Almost like, is Scott Boris going to be commissioner one day of Major League Baseball? I have no idea, but he's had a lot of ideas of what to do. And I, I will still be in the belief that You have to make sure everyone is safe, make sure that we're on the other side of this curve over this pandemic and we don't know how long it's going to last. I know that many people are missing sports, but we got to be worried about our health first. And so when baseball returns, does baseball return with no fans in the stands? all the players are going to be tested so they can be able to go out and play? When will that happen? I know the White Sox at this point in time, are they still have their camp open, like their their facilities open for players to work out. But, of course, there's no spring training or no games taking place. And so Scott Boris had a number of ideas. And one of them is is that if you get to a postseason in Major League Baseball, if we have one in 2020, that these games should be played in neutral sites.
1: I just think to involve, you know, I have I've always said that we have a tremendous you know, really product because we have a championship dynamic that's conducted in a in this in a potential 7 game format which allows a lot of people to be there and they can attend at least one game. And, and then be very involved in the subject matter of the, of the entire process. And um, I think that corporate America would embrace baseball at a completely different level because we got a beautiful steak and we're serving it at a fast food restaurant. And when you have a drive through, you just show up at the last second, you get what you're going to eat, the food may be good, but the fact of the matter is you're not staying at the restaurant. And that... That is something that I believe baseball has to change. And you can make it a very, very clear event. And the playoff structure is one where even with the wild card and the divisional and league championship, you you get a component where they get the home team and the playoff experience. But to make the World Series a true gala, an event, um, it has to attract the world, and the world has to be prepared to show up uh, in advance, and, and having notice for two or three days after the championship series as to who the teams are, uh, I just don't think it's enough notice. And it doesn't provide incentive for the uh, corporate America and, and the world to to plan an event around it because obviously you just don't have the time.
2: Okay, Eric, quickly on this, right? So Scott Boris was on when a show I was hosting over the weekend on ESPN Radio. And we want to have him on because of his comments and his ideas of what to do with baseball, you know, post uh, post this pandemic and when fans are allowed to return all this. My point to him in that question was, why is it that you think that Major League Baseball in their World Series could be at a neutral site like it's the Final Four, the championship game, right? Or like the NFL with the Super Bowl, because the game is so regional Baseball, I don't foresee baseball ever being in a position where, okay, it's the Dodgers against the Yankees for the World Series, and I'll meet you in New Orleans, or I'll I'll meet you in Cincinnati, or 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 whatever site, right? Or meet you in, in Miami, whatever, right? I don't think baseball fans travel that way. It does for college because you just get into a car and you just drive across the country or get a, a cheap airfare and just go see your team for the weekend for that regional. But I don't think baseball works that way where if it's a series that everyone will just be there for a week or two waiting for their team to win. I don't think baseball works like that. Right. And in that soundbite, he says, like, the MLB needs to ready be ready to put on a show for the world and the world needs to be ready to show up for it. That's not how it is. Like you said, if it's the Astros and the Phillies, those two towns will show up for it, but you're not going to be pulling people from all around the country or all around the world. It's just not how that game is, is viewed anymore. And I think that the travel is moderate. If, it's, if it is Philly Houston, the, the whole city of Philadelphia is traveling to Houston for, you know, for the game. And, and he's on a neutral site, so it'd be like Philly Houston played it in, La- in Anaheim. Okay. Well, no. (laughs) No, I I don't feel. I feel like people enjoy their ball games in their parks that they know. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 it. it. Listen, some travel. Cub fans travel. They travel from all over the Midwest and come to see Wrigley Field or go to Fenway Park in Boston. I get that. But I I just don't see baseball ever being that, where it's like, oh, Cubs, you know, Cubs Houston is going to be played in Seattle. Well, let's go and stay there for a week and a half to find out who's going to win. I don't think it works.
0: under the hood
1: under the hood podcasts are available now on the all-new espn chicago app available on your device now this is espn 1000 chicago's home for sports
2: it's under the hood with jonathan hood on espn 1000 and the brand new espn chicago app glad that you're with us as we talk basketball with friend of uh, the program is Nick Friedel. Nick Friedel from espn.com joins us here on ESPN 1000. Hello Nick. Hello my friend. Tell me what's with COVID-19 going strong. Uh what's going on in uh, the Bay Area? Cuz I know we read the, see the news and read what's going on, but what does it look like from your view?
0: It's very empty. It's it's kind of sad when you when you do go outside and get some fresh air just cuz there aren't people around. I mean there's still people trying to jog or walk their dogs, but there's just that look of fear on a lot of people's faces cuz like the rest of the world nobody is quite sure exactly what's going on and when we're going to go back to normal. Uh, so and what normal looks like when whenever that does reappear. So uh, just been trying to lay low. I think the city has done a nice job. I mean, we're on like week three or four of the shelter in place, and and everybody just kind of staying inside their own house or apartment. But it is a very, very strange time, as it is for for everybody at home too.
2: Oh, how about uh, I was going to ask what's going on in Florida with your family? What's uh, what's the deal there because there's big question marks about um some of the spring break kids being out on the beaches and and stuff like that and y- you know, you feel like that you're superman or super girl, you know, when you're in your early 20s but you as we know, know this um uh, COVID-19 is very serious.
0: It it really is and maybe, uh, my mom's still down in Orlando. I I've been telling her to just stay in the house, have my brother uh, drop off the groceries, my grandparents. I'm I'm lucky to still have them. Uh, They're up in the Jacksonville area, and they're uh, not seeing anybody right now, and and that's the way it's got to be. You just have to play it very safe. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm worried, though, and everybody's worried, but I'm worried uh, that Florida should have been having everybody uh, laying low several weeks ago, at least it's happening now, but... You know, you just there's so much uncertainty with all of this, and everybody has concerns about their family members, and the fact that most of my family is still in Florida uh, does give me that pause for a lot of concern, and I hope they can start flattening the curve, uh, as has been the case out for me in the Bay Area here in the last
2: couple weeks. Nick Friedel joins Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Uh, I want to ask you about Steph Curry because it was um, well received by many when Steph Curry got a chance to talk to Dr. Fauci, and in a lot of different ways, Nick, people are able to get their news, and it's not necessarily the traditional networks all the time. Uh, it's not necessarily the traditional cable networks where they get their news. Sometimes they get it from Comedy Central. Sometimes they get it from uh, from digital shows, but. I think that was meaningful for Steph Curry to ask questions to Dr. Fauci about when basketball returns and is trying to uh, teach people what's going on because people get their uh, information in a lot of different ways, and I think Steph was a conduit to that.
0: And You're absolutely right, and, and it's really especially for younger people. You know, I think Steph and, and his management team, that was the reason they put that together was because they know what a huge platform he has. And they know that most of his platform, especially on Instagram, is made up of, of younger people, younger fans. So it, it was a, a great move by Steph, by Dr. Fauci, uh, to get information out to people who may not see it otherwise. And Steph has accomplished so much, but I think what's cool is he he understands more more than most athletes I've been around, the platform he has created for himself and what that allows. And when we look back in time, uh, I think that that Instagram moment is just another example of just how powerful uh, star athletes can be and just how uh, important they can use their voice and those platforms when directed the right way.
2: Nick, um, when you see the NBA return, I was wondering, and how will this look? Because for all sports, you're concerned about fans in in the stands, and you know the social distancing that we're seeing. We've heard a lot of different um, thoughts on what the NBA could look like. What what's your what's your viewpoint if you are the commissioner on how to return the NBA based on everything that's going on?
0: Rudy, based on everything we've heard. Uh, and everything we've read, and and we've all been reading so much different information. I just find it hard to believe in the short term, whenever basketball does return. And and nobody has the answer, because everybody's got to wait and see uh, what happens with the virus. But if it does return uh, to start next season, because as we sit here right now, I'd be surprised uh, if if basketball was able to come back this year, uh, but you know again that's just my opinion. That's just what uh, what I've been reading and what I've been seeing. But uh, if and when it does come back next season, I don't know how right now that you can imagine a game with thousands of thousands of fans. And you know we're, we're all going to have to cross that bridge when we get there because. We don't know what any of this looks like moving forward, and we we don't know uh, how it's going to feel. But that's going to be the strangest part, because whether it happens for the postseason this year somehow, uh, whether it happens next year in October, November, or whenever the season uh, could potentially return, I, I just don't see that normal that we all grew up with, that we all have lived with for years and years, being the same in the short term. Uh, because you can't go into situations where you have thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, and and can't be sure that somebody's not going to get sick. And I think that's the biggest thing holding back the league and every other professional sports league right now is because nobody has those assurances. but but hoodie, really that to me, what pops out in my mind first and foremost is the days of 20,000 people showing up at an arena to watch a game are probably gone. Uh, for the time being
2: jay williams says put it on the ship <laughs> so don't uh,
0: like that. i don't think hey, that would... I, I like the optimism yeah uh, i don't i don't think that would happen but i like no. the optimism of a possibility of seeing sports again because uh, truly i i mean on a personal level you and i have uh, have been friends for so long we've we've done so many different shows uh, over time what i have struggled with the most as i'm sure you have is my life has been sports and i think it's i've realized it even more in in the last month or so because my whole life has been centered around when i was watching this game or uh, what what was coming on next on the tv or where i was flying to go cover the next game and to have it just pulled away and to 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 come home and to, to have to sit here and watch all these old games, I mean, that's been fun uh, for for a little while. But now I'm sitting there going, all right, when are the games coming back? Like everyone else. And, and nobody has that answer. But it, that has been a real struggle for me personally because I've I've realized more than ever just how reliant I was on the sports schedules of the year. And what now that they're gone, that's been... Uh, It's been it's been hard for me to to adjust frankly, especially living out in the bay by myself
2: Well, I think you know This is when you have to really bear down get the keyboard open and start writing that book gar and me my life with the bulls (laughs) I I don't know why you're not about 40 pages in on gar and me. Let's (laughs) (laughs) like i don't understand like i mean it's not like you don't have time you got you have plenty of time let's 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 get the car stories out there that's a that's a best seller you know i'd have you know i'd have you on every day if you sold that thing
0: (laughs) oh the the fun memories of of that time that at some point I know that you know that I'll, I'll write a book about all this stuff, but uh, sure. for the most part, for now, uh, they're uh, they're keeping us busy at the website, which is nice because it takes your mind off of all the other things going on and the news of what's happening. So I promise I will, I will get to it at some point, but uh, for now, I'm, I'm still writing away.
2: Chapter 4, Gar Cheated at Golf. Let's talk about this. Let's, 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 let's get into the golf stories of uh, you and Gar. I want that. See, people want to hear that. They want the stories. You know, they want to hear about Derek and all in the hospital, you know, almost close to, I mean, all, I mean, all these stories. We got stories. a bunch of
0: Tibbs stories, too. Oh, I my mean, God. There's some There's some classics.
2: Chapter 7, Thibodeau wants to know, for the 18th time, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I cover the team, Tom. I cover the team. Oh, man. What are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> People want to know this stuff, Nick, so I don't know what you're doing. Stop watching those uh, games. Let's, let's get hey, pen to hey, paper.
0: I, as, as I'm thinking about it, as I'm thinking about it, one of the, one of my favorites as we're going through uh, the, the, the memories is it was the morning of Game Seven in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Remember the Joaquin game where he that was probably his best game. Yes. Ever, uh, he he just dominated that game. They were on the road. They didn't have Derek. Joe Keane wins that game in Brooklyn. The morning of the game, I'm standing. wherever they were having shoot around, and Tibbs is walking out in that same Adidas tracksuit that he wore every day. And he looks at me and he goes, he uh, goes, <laughs> he goes, "How long did you pack for?" And I was like. I've got three or four suits just in case we're, uh, we, we've got to keep going to Miami because they would have played the Heat, and they did play the Heat. And he looks at me and he goes, good, that's the way it should be. <laughs> 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 I went, oh, this guy, he really is a maniac. He knows See? all the, the angles. So, See,
2: that, that, those are the gems we want. That's why we want we want pen to paper. Let's go. Let's start, start writing yeah. that out. By the time yeah, the yeah. You know, by the time basketball returns, you'll have a bestseller. You already be <laughs> peddling that book. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports.
1: Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at igjhood and at. ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports.
2: Nick Fridell joins Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. What is the NBA story, Nick, that you are missing the most without the NBA? And don't give me this Warriors re- renaissance. That can't be an answer. Just give me the story that you're missing the most in the league
0: now that we've stopped. I really wanted to see if the Clippers could do it. Mm-hmm. I really believed that they could the uh, the whole season going back to when Kawhi landed there in the summer uh, in hoodie, I, I underestimated uh, how good the Lakers have been to this point. And it seemed like all signs pointed to Lakers Clippers, whether that was in the Western conference finals or not, I, we would have found out over time, but that sure as hell would have been a fun series. Uh, I just, I loved the way that roster, the Clippers roster, was coming together, and then you know, for all the people in Chicago, having Keem show up in those last few days before the, the season got suspended, that that is what I'll miss the most if this thing really does uh, get canceled down the line, the rest of the season, because that team, and we've gone through this so many times in sports, in the sense that just because the team is good one season does not uh, guarantee that it'll be good the next year. That, that is what is really difficult just as a fan, because you wanted to see, uh, could the the Lakers uh, come out of the West? Could Kawhi take down LeBron uh, potentially in that series? Could the Bucks, a team that I was never sold on uh, coming out of the East and winning the whole thing, could, could this have been their year? And and it's not to say that we'll never know, because hopefully in a couple months uh, there will be games again. But if not, uh, as a fan, as somebody who covers the league, uh, those were the the things that I was looking forward to the
2: most. If the league does return, do you start with the playoffs, or do you need to finish off the regular season? I, I, I've been on, I, yeah, I've been on I, the side of I've been on the side of saying let's just start the playoffs because Washington or Shaw is not going to catch Orlando. And as much as I want Dame Dollar and McCollum and those guys in Portland to be in the playoffs, if Memphis has a, a about three and a half game lead, that they're not catching them. That's enough. Let's move on.
0: Yeah, no, I I'm with you completely. I just don't see, and and again, I'm I'm skeptical that the season will be able to return uh, in general anyway. But I don't see how you can attempt to quarantine every team together. I mean, in that sense, uh, the, the, just the, the math of all this tells you that you'd almost have to start with the playoffs because you, you're eliminating half the teams right away, uh, or almost half the teams. You're, you are trying as best you can to fit as many games into a short window as possible. Uh, and all these different owners are just going to have to deal with the fact that those gates, those tickets, those, that that money, it's gone. Uh, and it's probably not coming back. So uh, I would think you have to start with the playoffs. Uh, I would think the only way that this could work potentially, although it's not even working right now in China, and they tried, is to take all these teams, put them in the same city, and, and – Quarantine them to the same gyms and the same hotels, but uh, hoodie, you know that undertaking. In theory, uh, it, it makes sense, and and maybe they would try to pull it off. But in practice, actually making it happen, man, that is going to be difficult. Uh, when you think of all, not only the players, the coaches, the support staff, uh, the trainers, that it's just a lot of people in the same big bubble. And what happens the first time that? Uh, somebody were to get the virus again or get sick. Uh, there, there's just there's so many questions. But uh, if it does happen, I, I think that's the only way is to to start the playoffs and see what happens.
2: Author of the new book, "Garn Me: My Days with the Thibodeau Bulls," <laughs> Nick Fidel with us here on ESPN. With as you can watch on...
0: still, we're still working on that title. Okay, <laughs> Gar and Me" works. It's nice
2: and <laughs> nice and we're, simple. We're still,
0: we're still going through it. I. I Gar, Gar and I have had plenty of of interesting moments good times bad times over the years but uh we're gonna we're gonna work
2: on that title you can find uh, Nick at on uh, tiny desk on n p r and you'll be able to talk about his days with the bulls with his new book now um you know I'm looking forward to uh i'm just making this up on the fly um so so nick uh i'm really we all to, are my man yeah this is all made up off the top of my head this comedy bit we're doing so <laughs> my friend i'm glad you spent some time um we don't know if we'll get another uh see the rest of this season play out but what i've been saying a lot is we're just waiting for um what the medical doctors say and and how we're going to get on the other side of this curve And then we just kind of go from there. But it's about health first before we see basketball. As much as I'm missing the season, uh, I want to make sure that everyone's healthy, including myself, to make sure we're ready to go and and watch this if this takes place in arenas again.
0: Yes, sir. And be careful out there, please. Stay safe and tell me if you need me because (laughs) I am here and the highlight of my day is talking to you. For yeah, sure.
2: well, well, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Start working on that book because that's going to be a, a bestseller. You think Jesse's book was getting good? Wait until you wait get a hold of your book and the inside stories of Joe Joe Kim Noah telling you about relationships. I can't I can't wait for that. That's on exactly what to do, which I thought was very an odd story. All right, Nick's... All right, My man, I won't tell Talk the whole story. You. I won't tell the whole story, but I'm just <laughs> I just. I just thought that was very odd what he told you as far as what to do. Uh, I mean, that's
0: Chapter 3, Life Lessons with Joe Keene right there. He, oh,
2: man. All right. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Nick Friedel with us right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Yeah, you know, Nick should should write that book. I think he should. I mean, he's been with the Bulls for a long time. He's working with Golden State and doing a lot of other stuff around the NBA now. But, boy, that Thibodeau era was really interesting. Well, if you have not heard, we have our Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday show every Tuesday, aptly named, uh, at 930. We have had a number of guests on because WrestleMania week, they have two shows. They're going to have a show on Saturday and a show on Sunday. I talked to the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. He was on the program last night and we talked about WrestleMania and some other things as well and uh, so if you have not checked it out if you have not been able to download the ESPN Chicago app I don't know where you've been if You gotta download the ESPN Chicago app and that way you can listen to the shows live and check out the podcast of all your favorite ESPN 1000 um, hosts including yours truly and again our work weeknights so sometimes you might miss what we're talking about check it out on the ESPN Chicago app All right, off tomorrow, we will have um, Kristen Adam in tomorrow, and then Monday, because of our commitment to Westwood One, we will have a national championship game of some sort, even though there is no college basketball going on. So I'll miss Monday and be back with you on Tuesday between 7 and 10 here on ESPN 1000. During that time, because it's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, we'll review WrestleMania and so much more. Our thanks to you for listening. Our thanks to Erica Strauskin on the other side of the glass. Our thanks to Ron Kittle. Dan Jiggett, Chris Singleton, Chris Ranji, and Nick Friedel for being with us. Thanks so much for listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. And don't forget, we're alone together in this. Let's stick together throughout this COVID-19. Hope to talk to you soon right here on ESPN 1000.